are you stuck on where to start when it comes to getting in shape, feeling more confident in your body, or eating right? I want to break the idea that you have to stick to a diet and crazy workout routine in order to be healthy and reach your goals. Hey guys, I'm Emily Kaufman. I was a burnt out division one athlete, turned stay at home couch potato, now turned group fitness junkie. If you're ready to ditch finding the perfect diet and workout routines that make you feel weak, this is the place for you. Welcome to the tribe, Girls Gone Healthy. Hey guys, welcome back. So last week we talked with Coach Twist and we talked about really listening to your body in terms of both exercising and then also in terms of nutrition. And I know for a lot of people just starting out, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean, listen to my body? So today we're going to talk about kind of those different hunger cues and the difference between emotional and physical hunger. Because that is really what we're talking about when we say listen to your body is you have to be like, okay, is what my body's telling me accurate and that I do need to eat or is it just me craving comfort food? So we really deep dive into that today with Suze Carpenter and so I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, so today we are joined by Suze Carpenter. She has a 10-year career in nutrition and she founded and now runs Carpenter 180, a virtual nutrition company that exists to clear up food confusion. She saw a gap in the industry and a trend in society where Americans are more confused and overwhelmed than ever when it comes to actually losing weight and keeping it off. Her mission is to provide affordable and simple programs to teach you how to win at losing weight. So we have a very similar mission on the information that we want to share, which is why I'm so happy that she's getting to join us. So she has a very impressive nutrition company and programs, and you might be thinking like, wow, she's an expert. And she is now, but when she was my age, your age, she had an eating disorder. So she had to overcome an adult eating disorder and truly do a 180 to lead her to where she is now. So I'm so excited for her to share this with you herself. Thanks for coming on today, Suze. I am so glad to be here. I'm honored. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. So where are you joining us from? So I live just north of Atlanta, Georgia, in a little town about 40 minutes outside the city. And it gives us just enough city and then just enough chickens and cows. (laughs) It's a perfect mix. So I was wondering if you could kind of tell us a little bit more about yourself and then your personal health journey. Oh, sure. It'd be my pleasure. Okay. So yeah, my friends call me Suze and by trade, the fancy title is certified nutritional consultant. All that means is I have a ridiculous understanding of food and how it impacts the human body. And I realized that we had a serious problem and women were suffering because they were frustrated and confused by what it took to lose weight. So I developed inexpensive online programs that help them understand how to eat so they get their weight right where they want it. They don't have to suffer anymore. So like I said, I am just north of Atlanta, Georgia, and at home, I'm a mom of four and I've been married 24 years. I can still turn laundry pink like every couple of months. (laughs) And I suffered with my eating disorder until years ago when somebody said to me, you know, Suze, you say you would uh, die for your kids, but would you change for them? So this is what's happening. I started out in high school. I was an athlete and I'm 6'2". So my height was never going to fit into that box that looked like everybody else. So I began to try and shrink my weight. Now, I found a path that didn't work for me, but I, it was the only one that I knew. So I began this cycle of restrict until biology took over and I would binge. I could not throw up, although I tried, 
So I would use exercise as my form of purging. And then later on, it went into this form of abusing laxatives. Okay. So I was miserable all the time, hungry, shaky, tired. Eating disorders are a path to misery. And I hope to encourage people through them, not give triggering ideas. But at one point doing that, I was 226 pounds. I had gained that much weight. So that cycle wasn't working, but I didn't know how to get control until there came this moment of time where I was able to exercise uh, willpower and starve myself for a really long time and drop the weight. So I dropped 80 pounds. And for the most part, I stay within 10 pounds of that to this day. And this would have been back in 1997. So Once I hit a weight range that I really wanted to maintain for the rest of my life, I still didn't understand food. So I was still in this cycle of starve myself all day, make food rules, and then fear going out, fear going to a friend's house. Food was the thing that I was both enamored and addicted to, yet terrified of. And I did all of this without telling a soul. I did not even plan to tell my husband. I was so ashamed of this that it was a secret that I was planning to take to the grave with me. So when that question was asked of me years later, you say you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? That changed everything because I realized if I didn't become an authentic role model and get my issues straight, my two daughters were going to very likely grow up and have the same mean girl voice speaking to them in their heads like mine. And worse yet, that they were going to have this fractured relationship with food because I wasn't even showing them how to do this. So it was terrifying for me to get help and to move forward from this. I I was giving life everything that I had, and I couldn't imagine there was any more to give or a better choice to make because I was looking for them. So I finally was brave enough to reach out and get help. And that's where I started to see some principles about nutrition that Really, we should have learned when we were in high school. It's like when your sunglasses are on top of your head and you can't find them anywhere because they're hidden in plain sight. That's a lot of what nutrition is. So I have this superpower back from my days when I taught first grade that once I understand science, I can explain it in a way that a first grader gets it. And after getting me help, and I, I really only ever planned to do it just for me to be a role model to my girls. Then it's like the Mother Teresa complex kicked in and I couldn't hold this in any longer. And I wanted so much to be a part of helping other people, even though they don't have an eating disorder, a lot of people have disordered eating and they don't understand how to eat and they feel stressed. The physical and emotional weight of, I don't know how to fuel my body to maintain or lose weight. And I am always stressed about it. I thought if I can play a role in helping to end that for people, maybe to suffer less long than I did, this became a passion project. It became something that I absolutely had to do. Yeah, that's a great story. Thank you for going into that, Suze. I know that definitely that's the high level version of it. So I'm sure the struggles that you dealt with with eating wasn't just a quick fix, but something that you definitely had to work at over time. And still do, to be really honest. I still have to say that I'm recovering from an eating disorder so that I keep boundaries and guardrails in place and don't slip back into some of the old habits that I really had established. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about what you had mentioned with not everyone has a diseting order, but a lot of people do have disorder eating. And so Mm -hmm. 
Is there something that you hear from your clients that triggers you're like, oh, like that's not a healthy relationship for food that maybe they don't even realize yet? Well, I think that most people realize they don't have a healthy relationship with food by the time they're talking to me because they've been in this sort of battle for so long. You know, like they, I'll talk to a lot of people that their Instagram feed is packed with pictures of desserts or French fries. And that's what they've got pinned on their Pinterest board. And they're watching the uh, TV shows that are all about cooking and baking. And inside their house, they have these trigger foods, yet they want to lose weight and they're miserable. And there's this, it's constantly in front of them, but they don't know how to make the changes necessary to get on the road to success. And that's where having a mentor or having somebody that's been there before can be so key in helping to create new habits, new ways of doing things. And a lot of times when people get to me, it's where they realize my way is not working and I'm suffering and I don't want to do a yo-yo diet anymore. I don't want to give up my favorite foods forever in order to achieve weight loss. I can't stand the idea that I'm going to be struggling with not wanting to have pictures posted on social media because I don't like how I look and feel. I want to get this behind me once and for all. So to answer your question, I think most people realize they've got a fractured relationship with food and at the heart of it, they want control. They want to understand like, how do I buy groceries? What do I put on my plate so that I'm not always having to deal with these cravings so much? Yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that too. Food is everywhere. Diets are everywhere. Because when you do realize that you have this bad relationship with food or you're trying to make a change, the first thing you go to is usually Google and how do I lose weight? And all these different diets come out. It's never the top thing you're talking about is having a healthy relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you think about this, like to your point, you just said you can go to Google. We can all download a meal plan. We can all down, you know, we can get from a trainer or a nutritionalist or from Google a meal plan. And all diets work if you stick with them because it is a calories in, calories out equation. The problem is why do most women only make it four weeks at most and most men only six weeks? And that's because truly emotion overrides logic every single time. And when you get to this point of restrict, 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 and you set up food rules, there comes a point where that just doesn't work anymore because biology is going to take over and cause a binge. The minute you get in front of that favorite food again, you're going to have it. You get off track a little bit and rather than just one little slip up, then begins the shame spiral and the guilt spiral. And while I blew it and I had Cheez-Its for lunch, so I might as well go ahead and have Taco Bell and ice cream for dinner rather than beginning to understand Oh, well, so I had like a little slip up. Oh, well, everybody does it. I've got to get back on track faster. So when you, when you can really kind of press into that, that's where like the learning and the real change happens. Yeah. So you're not necessarily teaching people all of the nutritional facts of different foods, but you're turning it into a less emotional issue for them. Well, I mean, now that's the interesting thing. I'm actually a super science nerd. So in the beginning, on the front end, the way I can get people results is not really the emotional eating because when somebody decides, man, I got to do a change. I want to lose some weight. I want to feel better. I want weight loss without hunger. First thing we have to do is learn about protein, fat, and fiber, how 
uh, protein will protect and preserve the lean muscle. Fiber is actually what we need to talk about because it's going to rev your metabolism and help you absorb uh, about 100 calories less a day. It'll help you have weight loss without hunger. It will help you to feel full. Like when we start to understand looking for fiber and then fat, Fat is going to slow the digestive tract so you stay full longer. So I, right out of the gate, I'm teaching protein, fat, and fiber so that food works longer for people and their blood sugar is not all over the place. But I can't go too deep into the sciencey, fancy words. We just have to learn what are good non-starchy vegetables? What are really good sources of fiber? What protein should I be eating? And when should I be eating and why? So what happens is I don't seek to influence. I want to empower and educate. So right out of the gate, what I'm looking to do is educate, like, let's get these groceries in. Let's start putting this stuff on our plate. Let's start doing this because as they start to do that, they feel better. Their stomach is getting flatter. They're sleeping better. Energy's going up. They're starting to see results. And right about the time they start to see results, that's when I can start getting in and explaining more about, all right, so here are a couple things that are going to happen around week three, why the scale is going to plateau or why it might not move, move or it might go up. And then I can get into, once they begin to get the education about protein, fat, and fiber and why and how in the absence of net carb, your body will burn fat for fuel. Once I get there, then I can start pulling in the emotional part. Because right about that week three, week four is when people start to teeter. And that's right about when we're willing to go, all right, this went from being super exciting because you were getting changes and you were excited about the future to now this is a grind. This is a day in, day out, and we're looking to create a lifestyle. So now we have to start talking about the emotions. And we've got to start talking about how you think about food and how you think about yourself and how you think about the future. So you need both to tell you the truth. I really like that. I just learned a ton there. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> as you were saying before, giving them the education and the knowledge for them to make their own decisions, then that's giving them the choices. That's empowering them to make the choices and the right choices. And so I like how you are able to dumb that down, as you said, to a first grade level or just not have to go super sciencey into it. Well, you know, I think what happens is we go into Google and we start getting the higher level ideas, you know, do this, do this really specific. And people grab onto that without really understanding why, and then don't know how to sustain it. What I'm looking to do is actually invert this idea and give the foundation, like literally the foundation of the pyramid, the fat part on the bottom that is riddled in basics and encouragement and understanding the grocery store and how to dine out and how to do snacks, how to pack things for work, get that foundation level that we missed because without a solid foundation, you have nothing to build higher on. So if I can fill in all these gaps and there are a lot of them and I can fill them in a way that people are going, huh, no kidding. Oh, I understand that. Oh, I got that. Oh, this is great. This makes so much sense to me. Then what happens is people, instead of in the mid-afternoon when you're driving past Starbucks going, man, a scone and a frappuccino sounds great. And by the way, I think the same thing. Once you understand why protein, fat, and fiber, and you understand that that scone and that frappuccino is actually like eating five pieces of white bread in the middle of the afternoon, and you wouldn't do that. So when you start to understand what's going to happen if you go eat that and how come it's going to affect your weight loss and what it's going to do to your feelings and your emotions and how your blood sugar is, then it becomes logical to instead of go to Starbucks think, okay, well, so I'm going to grab 
this snack over here. I'm going to replace it with this because it's going to help me feel better throughout the day and keep me on track to my goals. But the education is what's so important because that's what gets the buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. So just to reiterate what you've been saying there. So it's step one, that's the foundation, that's the education. And then beyond that, to really instill this into a lifestyle change, that's when you go into the emotional aspect of, okay, well, why do we want those comfort foods? Why are we craving these other foods? That's right. Because just because you decided that you were going to make a change in eating and you understand protein, fat, and fiber and why it benefits your body so much, it doesn't necessarily mean that your old habit of liking ice cream is going to initially go away or eventually go away. It just becomes something you have to learn how to have as a thoughtful indulgence and incorporate into your pattern of eating. Because really, the truth of it is, if you are going to lose weight by taking out your favorite foods, alcohol, your wine, your beer, your going out, your sushi, your chocolate cake, whatever. If you're taking those things away to drop calories, to drop weight, well, we all know what happens when you get to your ideal weight or you get sick of it. You start introducing those things back in and your weight goes up. So instead, what we're looking to do is learn how to eat the right things mostly. And then instead of just binging on the chocolate cake and not even enjoying it, learning how to have it as a thoughtful indulgence, choose to have it so that you're not living with shame and regret, enjoy it, have a couple bites of it, and then move on. And that way we're able to lose weight, but still understand how to pull in the foods that we plan to eat for the rest of our life. Because if we are losing in a weight that's temporary and we plan to do something different when the weight comes off, that leads to temporary results. And what we want to do is create sustainable results where we create a lifestyle rather than this yo-yo diet that is clearly not working. Because 70% of Americans are overweight. Two out of three are overweight. One out of three is obese. So we really are getting to a place where people are wanting to understand, how do I eat so that I'm not always on a diet? Because they get it. It doesn't work. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So thank you for sharing that. I know that we had talked a little bit before, but could you go more into the difference between physical and emotional hunger? Oh yeah. I love talking about this one. So, all right, let's first off just understand this one thing called the feeling spectrum. So your body is just wired to want to make you happy. It, it, your body wants you happy. So let's picture your left hand and pretend you put it on the table and the table is a hot stove. You would pull your hand away really, really fast. And that left hand represents extreme pain, pain you cannot sustain like the hot stove. Now let's do the same with your right hand and put that down on the table. That represents extreme happiness. Another something you can't sustain might be the endorphins from a workout or the first taste of chocolate or Christmas morning. So those are our two extremes, all the way to the left, heavy pain you can't sustain, all the way to the right, extreme happiness. You also cannot sustain that. Now, our body wants to help us get away from pain. So there are things that we could do that could kind of bring you happiness or endorphins, but society really frowns on it. Like it could be driving too fast, stealing, overspending, gambling, drugs, um, one night stand, any of these things that might give you a temporary high. But since society is going to kind of rub their nose at you, we don't tend to necessarily go to them all the time. Now, the things society is okay with, even me, I, I notice when somebody says, oh man, I binged on Doritos last night. I'm not quick to judge on that because it's okay. 
in, you know what I'm saying? Like the American culture. So let's say that you are having an extremely uh, emotional day and it could be any number of things. You feel overwhelmed, discouraged, anxious, excited in a, in a bad way, excited. Like there's something coming that you're really amped up about. Maybe you're tired, you're fatigued, you're bored. Um, maybe somebody in your family got sick. Maybe there's just a lot of uncertainty in your job or relationships. Any of those bad feelings. Well, let's pretend like that's all the way over in your left hand. Your body wants to help you get away from it. So what will happen is it's normal to turn to food for comfort. So let's say you're eating your Ben and Jerry's or you've got your bag of chips. The problem with the food is it's finite. There's going to come a point where the food is gone. The bottom of the ice cream, the end of the chip bag, it's going to be over. But while you were eating, something amazing was happening. It was like that pain you were feeling. It was like somebody put a blanket over it. It was completely numbed out and it went away and it felt great to get a break from that pain. So our body was saying, yeah, let's go eat the ice cream and the chips as a way to get away from this pain. It's going to help you feel better. The problem being the food is finite. Like I said, it's going to come a point where the ice cream's gone, the chips are gone, and then the blanket's going to come off the problem. The numbing's going to stop and the pain is going to be there. It's not going to go away. The food will not actually fix the problem. It'll just give you a temporary break from it. So then after the binge, after the uh, emotional eating where you probably weren't even tasting it to be true, you were just filling. Then what happens is you're now left with two problems. One, the original problem. Two, the regret, the guilt, the shame, the blood sugar going up and down, your belly hurting, and that feeling the next day like, Ugh, I'm starting again. So I tell you that just to begin to understand that it's so normal that you turn to food as a way to help yourself feel happier. Your body wants to do this. We have to think of different ways to make yourself happy. And that's a totally different conversation. But within this subject, we have emotional hunger and we have physical hunger. And if you can begin to identify the difference. So first it's knowing when we emotionally eat, we're still going to be left with a problem. And now we have a new problem of shame and regret and blood sugar going all over. The second thing is looking at this and trying to decide, am I emotionally hungry or am I physically hungry? So physical hunger comes on slow. It's like you might be sitting at your desk or finishing a workout and you begin to just feel your stomach churning. Maybe you start to feel a little bit lightheaded or tired just because your body's ready for some food. And by the way, you hear your stomach churning. Uh, it's because your organs are um, tumbling and rumbling and there's no food to buffer it. That's why that's happening. That's why you hear that growl in your stomach. Okay, now the opposite with emotional hunger. Okay, so that comes on so fast. Like it comes out of nowhere. It can happen at an hour after you just finished a perfectly satisfying meal. But all of a sudden you're thinking, I need pretzels and I need chocolate chip stat. I need to get that Frappuccino and I need that muffin. I need that Starbucks. All of a sudden you're jonesing for it. Okay, my guess is if we could stop in that moment when all of a sudden you're hungry and instead think about what's coming up that you don't want. Is it, and typically this is mid-afternoon for most people, maybe it's when the kids are cranky, maybe it's when you have to transition from job to home, maybe there's an uncomfortable email or conversation you have to have, maybe you just got some bad news, maybe you have to do something that is hard, maybe you're really, really tired. 
A lot of times it's not because people are over hungry. It's because they're emotionally hungry to feel different or to have a different situation. So while we're not identifying that really I want to feel comforted, really I want to be comfortable, really I want more energy, we're not tapping into that's what you're really hungry for. Instead, the body's saying, how can I make you happy? How can I help solve this problem? How can I get, hmm, how can I get you to feel more comfortable? I know. I'll go get you some chips. That's going to help you feel better for a little while. So there is a huge difference between emotional hunger and physical hunger and what we want to get good at. And it takes time. That's the thing. It's going to take time and reflecting and actually trying to get to know yourself a little bit better. But it's like, what am I really hungry for since this thing came out of nowhere? And then if you can start to identify that, that's when we start to put behind us the emotional eating. Wow, that is huge because as you were describing that, I can see it in my life. I don't think that I necessarily do it when I'm stressed, but definitely boredom eating because when I sit down on the couch, it'll be right after dinner or maybe 30 minutes after dinner and I find myself craving it. Like, oh, I should have pretzels with this or ice cream sounds good now and I need to maybe stop for a second, ask myself, okay, am I hungry for that or am I just bored and so I'm going to eat to fulfill that? That's right. That's exactly right. Now, that sounds easy when you say it like that. I mean, I even listen to you and go, right, that's a great plan. But (laughs) in the moment, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where ahead of time, you want to have your thought about it like, okay, so after dinner is kind of my trigger. Okay, so what am I going to do different here? Well, I could put on a face mask. I could paint my nails. I could go for a walk. I could get in the bath. I could go write a letter. I could clean a drawer and get a chore done. Like have to come up with something to replace that habit with. That's the that's the trick is we need to replace it with something and redirect yourself. And a lot of times it's going to have to happen before you ever get to the trigger time. Yeah. Do you think that a good technique too with this is planning out your meals? Because if you feel physical hunger coming on and it's building up, you can plan of like, okay, in 30 minutes, I'm going to eat a meal. Whereas with emotional hunger, when it's right away, if you can push that off 30 minutes and then you're no longer hungry at that point, then you know that was just trying to replace something else. Right. Without hesitation, I agree with you 200% that we need to plan out our meals. And especially in the beginning when we're trying to get a handle on this. So I have people journal every single day, you know, like, I mean, and and it's so funny. People will do a fad diet or they'll jump onto something really, really extreme, but they don't want to write their food down because it's like this scary. They've never done it before, or they know themselves well, like I'll write it down when I'm going in a great direction, but I'm not going to write it down when the wheels fall off, which really is a missed opportunity. We need to be writing this stuff down when the wheels fall off so we can start look to patterns to begin to change them. So what I have people do is the night before make their food plan. It's super boring and so disciplined. I just, it's so adulting. I get it. Like, don't want to, I get it. But If there was something you could do that was simple, that was going to potentially set you up for wild success, you would do it. And this is a huge part of it. If I can get my clients and I can teach my community to write out their breakfast, their lunch, their bridge snack, and their dinner, all we do is we track their carbs, we track how much fiber, and they subtract it to get the net carb. And they will know the night before, if I eat this plan, my fiber is going to be high. 
that means I'm going to be burning a lot of calories because I'm eating this fiber. This is going to help me burn fat for fuel. If I eat this plan, see, in the absence of net carbs, your body will burn fat for fuel. So what we're looking to do is not have no carbs. We're just looking to have the right amount of carbs so that we can burn the body fat. So that night before, oh, you got your map for the day and you don't have to overthink about it. Then to what you just said, you can look at it and go, okay, I'm going to have a snack in about a half hour. I know it's going to make me feel good. Right now I want pretzels and chocolate chips. Huh, I know what this is. This is emotional hunger. I'm going to get a glass of water. I'm going to hang in here. And now it's it's tough the first day. It's tough the first three days. It's tough the first five days because it's boring. You're being disciplined. You're holding yourself accountable. But when you start to see results and you start to feel better and you're in control, then what starts to happen is your self-esteem starts to go up because you feel like you've got a handle on things. You don't feel so out of control, which is a bad feeling. And once you've done a couple of days of this, you yourself have helped yourself to feel better. Yeah. It's like you're reading my mind because when you're talking about the food journaling, it's like we already put together a grocery list and then we go to the grocery store and we know what food we brought home. So why not just plan out when you're going to eat it at different times? It's just one further step that really doesn't take too much time, but it is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Just you got to sit down and do it. And then, you know, it's going to help you not, it's going to help you with not like, I'm just going to order a a pizza or I'm just going to swing through Starbucks. Instead, when you know what you've got at home, you know what your foods are that you've already planned, you're far more likely to stick with it, which again is going to save you calories, fat, time, and money. Yeah, I love that. So when someone first starts working with you or when they first realize that they have disordered eating, And they want to make those first steps. What is the number one thing that you recommend? Is it getting that knowledge and building a foundation? Right. So when I start with somebody, what I really want to do is teach them about why protein, why fat, why fiber, how come they want their fiber number up, why they want to keep their net carb number, you know, around 35 and that being like the education part, but it's almost like at the same time, I want to get them to get the right groceries in the house commit to protein, fat, and fiber at their meals and have a lot more water. Like that's kind of the starting place. Now, this is the other thing. So when I told you about the eating disorder and I needed to reach out for help, I was in a unique spot, but I was incredibly vulnerable. Like it's just, oh, you could have pierced my heart. I was so vulnerable. Well, working one-on-one with people is intimidating. And I'm like the least intimidating person on the planet, but I know this subject matter, people feel raw and exposed. So there were points where I knew there were people that wanted to work with me, but they either couldn't invest the time for the weekly session, they couldn't invest the money, or they flat out just felt too insecure, um, intimidated, uh, vulnerable to even have a conversation about it, but they still wanted results. That kept me up at night. And that was a big part of why I went from just doing Carpenter 180, the business one-on-one on the down low, like it was just referral only to, I mean, I'm going to actually build out a company and build out a virtual part because I have, I have built this thing called SOS, which is Sue's on your shoulder. And it's a daily soundbite. It's three to four minutes long it comes right to the text message of your phone. And it's basically, I took a nutrition course and broke it down into bite-sized pieces. And it's teaching right out of the gate, why protein, fat, and fiber, how bridge snacks, 
how to build your plates, what groceries to get. And then it starts coupling in the emotion parts and the mindset and the encouragement and the science, like why do we plateau at week three and all those little things that keep people on track. And I did it so that it's a monthly subscription and it's only $15 a month. And everybody can start with seven days free to see if it's a fit. And I mean, the first seven days are worth, I mean, they're not worth being free, but I want so badly to get this information out so people can stop suffering and feel empowered. Like this is what I was looking for my whole life that I couldn't find. And it's my thing that I want to give back. So with everybody, even if they're not ready to go one-on-one, I'm like, sign up for SOS. Like, let me just teach you this so that I can clear up food confusion and you can get the weight off and you can have food peace for the rest of your life. I love that. And if you're listening to this today, you should sign up for this today because I think that what a lot of people do is they keep pushing it off, keep pushing nutritious food off. They're like, oh, I'll learn about this later until they're so overwhelmed by it that they just want all the answers. Whereas with your program, you just get a little bit of information each day. It's not a huge lifestyle change. You're just adding information, collecting it. And I think that's a perfect way to get started. You remember the feeling when you were in college and you were studying for a big exam and you had all the books and notes in front of you and that overwhelmed, almost panic feeling you had? Oh, yeah, (laughs) I do. Okay, now, and you remember you took the test and then it was like you could feel the information leaking out of your head. Like it just wouldn't stay in there. You you just knew it for the test and that was it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what nutrition feels like for most people. It's just, there's so much out there. There's so much noise. There's so many opinions. And it's just too confusing on where do I start? How do I get first steps to success? How do I learn what's true, what's based in science, what's not a fad? How do I trust something? And people stop before they ever start. And I wanted to clear out those barriers and those obstacles. And that's part of, again, why I built out the SOS. Yeah, it's definitely needed. So that's the free program that you can start today for seven days free. I'll include a link to it below. And then you have two other programs, right? Could you talk about those a little bit more? That's right. You know, and I will say with SOS and the seven days free for your community, if they put Emily in the checkout code, then I'm going to send off four grocery lists for different ones. Like what to buy at Trader Joe's for real, what you should be buying, Um, what you should be getting at if you go to Costco or a regular grocery store or online. And that way we know what fiber foods to buy, like the crackers and the pastas and It's not like the 17 page one that nobody uses. It's the, oh no, this is a real grocery list. Okay, good, good, good. This is what Sue's buys. All right, got it. So the other programs I have is the one-on-one is called Babysit My Plate. That's for the person who's like, Sue's got questions. I need to talk to you. I need you to hold me accountable in a loving way, please. We can work on what foods to eat. We can pull the, like people want, help me figure out what breakfast, lunch, bridge snack, and dinner to eat. Like let's come up with for real three different, you know, breakfast, three different lunches. And that's the person that is really ready to have these conversations. And we just, we see crazy great results with that. And the biggest result is the emotional and physical weight that comes off the feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm not on a diet anymore. I don't feel stressed. I feel like I get it. Like that right there is awesome. So that's called babysit my plate. And that person has access to me 
like they can text me when they're in the grocery store or they can shoot me the um, restaurants that they're dining in and I'll help them with what to order. They get access to me completely. So then the other one I have is called the Food Peace University. And that's when I have virtual courses that people can watch and on their own time, they can do digital learning. That's like the in-between. So the the one-on-one attention with babysit my plate, the SOS is the daily soundbite coming right to your phone. That's just me talking. And then in the middle is a little bit more of the virtual course. And that's that'll open up pretty soon here. I tend to just open it a few times a year. Awesome. Well, thank you for all that information. Definitely go check her out now. I'm about to sign up for that. Um <laughs> I love your mission, Suze. It's great. I love how you're empowering women, um, helping them make their own decisions, not just here, follow this meal plan, but this is really how you're going to see results for your lifetime by having the knowledge. And then where can they find you, Suze? That's right. Okay, so everything is Carpenter 180. So Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R-O-N-E-8-0. So Instagram and Facebook are both that. Um, Instagram's fun to watch. I love doing the stories and I usually will show up with one meal that I'm having that day, if not a few, just as a way of leading from the front and showing you ideas and examples. And that it's not all broccoli and chicken. Like, wait, this chick knows how to make waffles and biscuits that I can eat that will still help me with my <laughs> weight loss. Yes. Um, and then Facebook, we can get into a Facebook group where I do a lot of lives and there's a lot of recipes there. And then also the website is www.carpenter180.com. Perfect. So as she said, she has a ton of free resources out there just by signing up, finding her on Instagram and the Facebook group. So thank you so much for your time today, Suze. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, do me a favor and take a screenshot right now and post it on your Instagram story. You can tag me at underscore Emily Kaufman, at underscore Emily Kaufman. Come say hi. Come say what's up. I'd love to connect with you, and this would help support me to continue bringing you free content. See you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.